How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I loved them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. Hello, this is Father Louis Skurdy, Friends of the Word, with a very special guest, Ed Lucas. Ed Lucas, Ed, Pleasure. thank you for having us in your home. Thank you. Ed is from Jersey City, and that's the least of his claim to fame. And he is a sports writer. He's um, been involved with many uh, baseball events, and I know nothing about baseball until I read his book. And his book is Seeing Home, The Ed Lucas Story. And you're going to be fascinated by many aspects of Ed's personal life, starting in Jersey City. And that's where we're going to start. Is that all right, Ed? Sure, absolutely. That's okay. where I started. <laughs> Reading your book, the, the one person that I think is a saint and, and your biggest supporter was your mother. Absolutely. And I know you, 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 your family was close, but talk about her role and maybe, maybe even go back further um, describing the incident that caused your blindness. Well, my mother was a very, very religious person, okay? She was a very religious person. We would go to novenas and go to uh, different church events, so forth and so on. And um, my family was a big baseball fan. We couldn't afford to go to major league games, uh, you know, over to the polo grounds for the Giants, uh, Everett's Field for the Dodgers and Yankee Stadium. The tickets at that time, back in the 50s, were expensive. My father, uh, he, he worked as a uh, freshman for Alco Gravure in Hoboken and later on the New York Times. And I always said that my mother was a professional boxer. <laughs> really? Yeah, she boxed oranges and apples and <laughs> potatoes for the A&P. <laughs> and uh, so... That was one of the things that uh, they did, but we loved baseball. We um, talked baseball all during the off-season and the season. Really? I would sit in my house, and we would have on two radios and a television, watching the three games, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Yankees. Oh, you guys were dedicated. Oh, dedicated is not the word. (laughs) So... um, The Giants were playing the Dodgers. It was October the 3rd. 1951. Giants were playing the Dodgers for the third game of the playoffs to see who would go to the World Series. And um, the Dodgers were winning in the ninth inning. And Bobby Thompson came up with two on. And Ralph Branca threw a strike. 
And the next pitch was a high inside fastball that Branca threw and Thompson hit into the left field seats. And uh, the Giants won the pennant. And Russ Hodges, the announcer, would be yelling, the Giants won the pennant, the Giants won the pennant. And how do we know that? Because some Brooklyn fan taped him. And he thought he would send it to him just to give him the business that probably the Giants are going to lose. And he gave it to, sent it to Russ. Russ gave it to the three-to-one club, which was from Wiggin and Myers, a cigarette company, Chesterfield, right, and right, right. L&M. And uh, they made a 33-and-a-third album out of it. Oh, the isn't that interesting? And sent it out to all their dealers. <laughs> so that's how you can still hear Russ Hodges today yelling, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants <laughs> win the pennant. That's good. But it was the first coast-to-coast -coast game on television. Really? Interesting. Yes, the first coast-to-coast -coast game. And Ernie Harwell was the announcer. And I came home from school, and uh, the Dodgers were winning. And I was blowing bubble gum. My father said, stop that, stop that. My father worked nights. And he was watching again. Big giant fan. They hadn't won since the late 30s. And um, so we're sitting there watching the game. And all of a sudden, Thompson hits the home run. My father goes crazy. Oh, my God, <laughs> screaming, running around the house, yelling out the windows. He always prepared supper. My mother would come home from work and... So he was getting out the dishes, and he was so nervous, he dropped the dishes, and they all broke. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, I said to my dad, I'm going out to play ball, and I grabbed my glove, and I went outside. I didn't want to be around when my mother came home. And found oh, with the broken dishes. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I ran outside and got a bunch of guys to, in the Lafayette Gardens in Jersey City. Right. And... Uh, so we went out and we played ball in a skating ring. It wasn't a baseball field, but they painted bases on a blacktop. And that's how we played ball. And I was a left-handed pitcher. So I picked up my uh, glove and went to the mound, took my glasses off and put them in my back pocket because I always felt I could see better without them. Okay. And uh, I threw a pitch. And the line drive came back and boom, hit me right between the eyes. Ooh. And that was the last thing I ever saw. I thought it was the end of the world. My only image of a blind person was someone standing on the corner with a cup and a cane, begging. And I used to feel sorry for them. I said, I could never, never, never do that, never thinking that we'd go blind. But when I did, that was my biggest fear. Mm. Standing on a corner with a cup and a cane. Wow. And, and, and the details of that event is as well as what you're talking about, are featured in Ed's books, uh, Seeing Home. It, fascinating. So so that was your biggest fear, that you you were blind then, and blind people stood on corners with right. begging they, cups. Sure, they were standing on the corner with a cup and a cane. What, what can a blind person do? Who would hire a blind person? You know? uh, well, we, we've come to find out exactly what. can they what. do? So what was your parents' reaction and, and their, their Well, at first rate? I tried to fool them, to be honest with you. I remember that, right. right. I, I, I didn't want to uh, let them know. And I knew my way around the house, so I could get around the house. It was when we went out. And I remember my mother and father going for furniture. And my mother said to me, Hey, Ed, how do you like this couch? You like the color? What color do you think it is? And this one she really knew. And I had had a doctor's appointment scheduled, an eye doctor's appointment scheduled, 
that week. So when I went to the doctor, uh, I didn't want her to know that I couldn't see that well. Mm. Couldn't see it all. It was in the Jersey City Medical Center. Right, right. And we went into a clinic. And had Dr. Sari Darian, who was uh, the ophthalmologist at the time, he studied under Dr. Brophy, who was still around, but not as active as uh, Sari Darian, a young mm -hmm. ophthalmologist. And uh, so we went in and we sat on a, a bench, like a pew. And we would slide along as you were called and you would go in and I could hear people before me reading the eye chart. Oh, e, B, D, C, D, D. And the Lord blessed me with a good memory. Wow. So now I get in there and uh, Dr. Sherry Darian says, okay, Ed, how you doing? All good? Yeah. So we're you were just chart. too embarrassed or afraid to tell your mother well, you couldn't say. Right. I didn't want my mother and father to know. Right, right. And so I started to read the chart. E, B, D, C, D, D. It went down like four or five lines, which I never did in my life. <laughs> and he said, oh, that's great, eh? That's why. Oh, my mother, she's, oh, heart's beating great. Oh, it's, you know. So he said, now, Ed, we're going to play another game. We're going to do it a little differently. I said, okay, what's that? He said, I'm going to point to the letter and you tell me what, <gasps> oh, <laughs> what it is. Oh, <laughs> snapped. <laughs> so now when he did that, I had to give in and say, I can't see it, doctor. I can't um, see it. What a heartbreak that must have been for your mother and you. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I figured I had him fooled. You know, I didn't want him. But, you know, he checked my eyes and I had to go in and I had two detached retina operations. And when I was in the hospital, um... You can't move your head. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't simultaneously detached retina operations mm -hmm. one at a time, but uh, they had sandbags next to my head, and I had to eat through a straw, all liquids, and couldn't move my head for a week or two. Mm -hmm. And then when the other operation happened, the same thing. So, uh, and of course, in those days, they didn't have the advancement that they have today for detached retinas. Sure, sure. Wow. So that was the beginning of the the blindness, the real blindness yes. in, in your life. Uh, did you have any siblings? I had a sister. Okay. And my sister was very um, supportive, you know, when this happened. And I remember I asked the doctor if I could come home. I was in the hospital from December the 12th to December the 24th. He said, go home Christmas Eve. Okay, okay. So I went home Christmas Eve. And we were in Assumption Church in Jersey City. Downtown that was our Jersey parish. City, yeah. Father Hornack, the Hornack brothers. I don't know him, but... And uh, so when I was going up to communion, I said to my sister, listen, do me a favor. I said, when Father comes close to me, give me a poke and let me know so I can put my tongue out to receive communion. Right. So he was coming down. I wasn't paying attention, listening where he was. And she gives me a poke, and I'm kneeling down. Right. 
whip my tongue out like that. She went forever. Father was way down the other end, and she just. <laughs> <laughs> so she thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, I bet she would. <laughs> I mean, she was a year younger than me. I was twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost, oh, goodness. You know. <laughs> what was the illness that you were born with? Uh, uh, well, I had them. I I was a premature baby. In those days, premature babies had weakness of eyes, too much oxygen caused weakness of the eyes, and then I had um, cataracts, glaucoma, mm -hmm. and uh, Dr. Brophy took care of that. But then uh, that weakened my eyes. I mean, and that's why I had to wear the glasses. Okay, right. And right, then I right. uh, always felt I could see better playing ball without the glasses, and that's what happened when I got hit between the eyes. Yeah, yeah, wow. The the level of faith in your family, especially coming from your parents, it was just so impressive in the book. Talk about that a little bit, the, the role of faith in, in your life. Well, my, as I said, my mother was very religious and my father was a very religious person. And we moved from Jersey City to Weehawken in 1954. And uh, <clears throat> he would take me when, uh, on a Monday, they would have... Um, Novenas to St. Paul of the Cross and St. Lucy and so at the monastery in Union City. Yes, yes, yes. So we that. would go to the monastery and uh, my father would take me and always have a relic put on my eyes, hoping that I would be able to see. And then <clears throat> when I lost my sight, uh, one night my father and mother said, uh, listen, we want to say the family rosary. And that's what we did. We uh, knelt down after every meal, after every um, supper in the evening. Now, if we were going to a wedding or going out somewhere that we wouldn't be home, we would say the rosary before we went out. Oh, wow. So we wouldn't miss a day. <clears throat> Father Peyton, founder of the family rosary, uh, the, the family that prays together stays together. Stays together, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And... Uh, so we we would say the rosary and, you know, then I would remember people that were good to me and mention at the end of the rosary, uh, you know, please bless so-and-so and so-and-so and the men at Alco Gravure and so forth. They used to send me different things and then they said to my father, what does he need? What can with the spirits? He said, he keeps on listening to these records, listening to the radio and he doesn't have a record player. So they... Bought me a Victrola in those days. That's what they right, called. right. The Victrola with the with the three speeds, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> seventy-eight, forty-five, and thirty-three and a half. Right, right. Oh, and, and who who bought that for you? The Alco group, the men that that work with my father. They just wanted to oh, give me a gift. Isn't that great? When I came out of the hospital, you right, know, and right, right. So they they bought that for me, and uh, you know. My parents would buy me records from time to time. And if I got some money, I would buy records, you know. And I mentioned Johnny Ray in the book because Johnny Ray, I didn't know at the time, but my father told me that he he was deaf. Right. But yet right. He, he could sing and he was a, a big hit. And uh, he, my father said, he's a man that, you know, had a disability and he didn't. You'll be able to do it. You'll be able to do it. And they kept on encouraging me to, you can do this, you can do that. And, of course, they knew how much I loved baseball. Mm. And my mother read in the paper that Phil Rizzuto, the shortstop for the Yankees, who was the 
MVP in 1950 in the American League and then the MVP, most valuable player in the 1951 World Series. He uh, was working at the American shops in Newark. Okay, we're going to stop right there because it's 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 really uh, it's a cliffhanger with okay. Phil Rizzuto. I want to pick that up in our next next segment. Sure, uh, but I really appreciate. It. Where could uh, our audience purchase a home, scene home? Um, Amazon.com. Okay. Amazon.com Barnes Noble. Okay, Barnes and Noble. and that's his lovely oh. wife in the background who's not on camera, but she's in the audience right now. Right. Uh, this is Father Louis Skirty with Friends of the Word interviewing Ed Lucas about the Ed Lucas story, and featured in Seeing Home, the book. We're here in his home, and we really, really appreciate your hospitality, Ed. And we're going to continue these series. Uh, we'll bring in you right up to Phil Rizzuto and the connection between Ed and Phil. Thank you very much, Ed. I really appreciate you, your having us here. Mm -hmm. And let me hear from you, Father Lou Skirty at Hotmail.com. God bless you. One, two, three, one, two, three, three, two, one. See, he does it like the professionals do. Well, he is a professional. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're, we're getting a guide from him. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too. And with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus. Made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with The Good Feet Store. And the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I loved them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of art supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com.